talked to my friend Janelle mm-hmm. from South Africa, right? Yes, I did. All right. Um, she uh, actually mm. presented to me that article we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, I remember. from the Telegraph, mm-hmm. right? And I was really shocked by inf- the information. So I think it would be a nice idea for us to discuss a little bit of that and a little bit more. Basically, the article was uh, presenting a shock number mm-hmm. of like saying that the National Literacy Trust estimates that 5.1 million adults in England are functionally illiterate. Mm-hmm. First of all, help me here to explain to people what that would mean, mm-hmm. like what being functionally illiterate would mean. Um, not understanding text beyond very simple instructions. So not being able to function as an adult with reading and writing text. Yeah. Maybe their name, a couple of, you know, some numbers, uh, prices in a supermarket, they can understand. And then beyond that, it's not functional. To me, that was completely shocking Mm -hmm. because I would never expect that from a developed country. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, well, I don't know. (laughs) For you, that's so shocking? It's not because... Well, I grew up in Wales and it's next to England and the educational system is almost identical. Um, so I can I can speak from, from experience here, although I never grew up in England itself. Um, the culture in those, in, in Britain, in those, in the UK, in the British countries, especially in the educational system, they don't value or encourage reading amongst let's say, the working class or the working classes. Now, it's a different story. When you when you talk about someone who's more affluent, upper middle class and above, it's a different story. Um, there are really good public libraries in the whole of the UK and in Ireland. So there's no excuse, I think. If you can already read for not reading more, even you know, if you don't have any money, you can borrow books from a library. There's no cost to join. But unfortunately, schools are not preparing people even to read a little bit, even to be able to read functionally, right? Um, if we go back to where this started, I don't know. I think it started, I would say, for my money in the 80s. Okay. I don't want to get too political here. Mm. Okay. So... It's to, I think it's to do with the governments that we've had. They haven't really prioritized education. One government prioritized uh, the economy. Another one prioritized, um, let's say, popularism in terms of being seen to make social change. But actually, well, I remember this. I'll, I'll say an example. Um, when I was in school, and I'm talking, this is like the overarching UK government, okay, which affects England and Wales. Um, I remember being, we had sets, right? We had streams. So we had the most academically um, gifted and going down to less academically uh, gifted people. Um, And I remember at one point when a new government came in, we were all mixed up. And I was in the same class as people who couldn't read. I remember that. Or basically couldn't read, or almost couldn't. Um, so I see it's at least having begun from that point, if not before. That was in about 96, 97. 
So mm. actually, yeah, but it, the the seeds were probably planted before. How many? What would you say the percentage is in Brazil of illiterate, you know, functionally illiterate people? Um, according to this article mm. that I got here from BBC, mm-hmm. it's uh, nowadays about thirty percent of the population between fifteen in 64 year old uh, years old mm-hmm. um but it used to be um i it reached a peak in 2001 like of 39 percent mm-hmm. of people according to our uh, functional illiteracy institute or indicator mm-hmm. i'm sorry enough mm. um that's quite bad right that's quite bad because people can learn so much from books yeah definitely um I find that statistic shocking, but I also, I'm not surprised by it, let's see. Um, if you go, to, like countries like Japan and Switzerland, they have really, really high literacy rates. I think Uruguay does as well here in South America. But I think it's just, it's definitely an exception where countries have 100 or 99%. It's, it's more likely that it's less. Because reading, let's say, it isn't natural, it doesn't come naturally. We've got to learn to do it. Yeah. And then learn to take pleasure from it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's mm-hmm. the, the CERN the, of the problem mm-hmm. is that most people think that books are boring. Mm-hmm. Reading is boring. Yeah. And uh, lots of people who read, they might get that uh, that aura of being snobbish and like being intellectual uh. would go against of like being more athletic maybe huh. there's there is some yes. sort of prejudice also that's a school in thing relation isn't it, to, isn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah um and the idea that it's because you're just looking at like a wall of text and you can't if you can't get through that it's you prefer pictures obviously so you might go down the route of reading comics okay uh, and that could be a, a gateway to start reading something more difficult but it could be Something that stops you and you just, I can't read anything you, without pictures. You could turn into a person who can't read anything without pictures. Yeah, yeah. I think, oh, wow, this is a very interesting mm-hmm. point. It, I'm going to get off the topic a little yeah. bit, but no. we're going to get to the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that it's a whole movement. We are getting so visual nowadays yeah. that it's a whole movement that we started adding uh, visuals into the writing Mm-hmm. So we can express the emotions better. It's the whole thing with emojis, oh, yeah. uh, gifts. It, that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. But uh, there is something here that I find really interesting. Another prejudice we have mm-hmm. is with is against bestsellers, yeah. uh, best-selling books, mm-hmm. and um, lots of people that actually read. Sometimes they say, no, I'm not going to read that because it's a bestseller and I don't do that. And uh, there's this dichotomy. Like, mm-hmm. If you read, you have to read something that is critically acclaimed. acclaimed. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the other hand, we have this big industry selling lots and lots and lots of books. And uh, what is what is wrong with it? Is uh-huh. it wrong of it being like a big business? Couldn't it be some door to to get people started into reading Mm -hmm. there's no i well perhaps that's exaggerated to say there's no bad book you can read but i think it's always better to read something rather than nothing if you want to practice that skill if you think you can get through life without being able to read without being able to enjoy reading then good luck to you but i think it's essential 
um, both in English and Portuguese. If you're learning English, uh, you could say, oh, I'm just learning to speak, but uh, it's as essential as it is in Portuguese. You know, and, uh, if, if, what, yeah. what, what would you say yeah. are the skills we get from reading and what are the benefits of reading? Being able them? to organize our, our thoughts because what we read is usually an organized, it's organized in a coherent way. Um, because it's written register, it's a different register. It's not like, it's, when we speak, we make a lot of, we, re, we repeat a lot, we go over things, we say a lot of, we use a lot of phatic hiatuses, which, for example, is a technical term. It just means things that mean nothing, like, you know, you know, like, Feelers. And people who just go, yeah, that's a particular one that annoys me, but that's a whole other t podcast. So when you're reading, it's more, it's more pure. Um, it's better quality language. Um, if you read a novel, it's a, I think novel is the best kind because you get exposed to kind of a spoken register as well within the novel when the characters speak to each other. Mm -hmm. And also you have written register where the author narrates. Um, and then you might have something in between, like the author starting to be a bit more casual. So you get, basically, you get exposed to different levels of language. Whereas if you read a, let's say, if you, let's say you, you, you only read university texts or scientific articles, you're only exposing yourself to a formal kind of language. So I'm not saying reading is better because it's more formal. Um, it's better quality, whether it's formal or informal than spoken. Sure. And uh, there is another point here that mm -hmm. the BBC article brought to me, uh, talking especially about Brazil, was that this uh, functional illiteracy mm -hmm. actually affects uh, a lot of people in, um, in the digital context that we are now, mm -hmm. because people are not uh, really able to... They are more vulnerable to the information they get to them. Yeah, yeah. they're so not critical, right? They're not critical and they, mm. they cannot uh, read um, political articles or accept different types of opinion and have uh, a solid argument um, and stand up for their own like beliefs uh, because they don't get to form them mm -hmm. properly. And that would be due. And the flip the side of that them. is, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 of course. <laughs> The flip side of that is people with such set and solid beliefs that whatever they read is filtered through that. But it's two sides of the same coin. Sometimes I buy a newspaper. I won't even say which newspaper, but I buy a newspaper. My aim there is to practice my Portuguese, right? Because even though I speak Portuguese well, I think, modesty apart, it's not my first language and I always want to improve. So I sometimes read the, especially I, I take a text that's really quite difficult, like an editorial, and I'll read that sometimes in a loud voice. Mm -hmm. People should do that in, in whatever language they want to improve on. And I've people have seen me reading that paper and going, like saying, I, I, like accusing me of being a bigot, right? Like, that would be um, bigot uh, or I didn't know that you thought that way and I often I feel like saying I didn't buy it to reinforce any ideas that I have I, I bought it principally to practice my language skills if <laughs> I'm not like open to being influenced as much as other people seem to think that I am or that mm -hmm. they those people who ask me that they don't seem to understand that you can read something with a certain distance, right? 
Sure. It, you don't have to read only things you agree with. Of course, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, but it's that it's normal in society. If someone sees you reading Carta Capital, mm-hmm. it's you're a left winger, but you may not be reading it in that. You may be reading it critically. You may be reading it with uh, making a face, right? Definitely. <laughs> but it's weird. It's, I think it's people who say that are those who don't read. They don't understand how it works almost. Okay. So it's like, ah, uh, you you believe in that then? Well, not necessarily. I'm just reading it. No. <laughs> and I'll say like, uh, before mm. criticizing anything, that's the point we were making before. Um, that's the whole thing of like judging the book by the cover, uh-huh. or judging the book by how many units it has sold. Oh, exactly, yeah. Mm, no, you should read it before yeah. I talk about it, Ray. And um, maybe it's an experience you like, maybe it's not. You don't have to read something that is... 100% uh, intellectualized and mm-hmm. difficult. Um, you sometimes can read something just for fun or something that is lightweight. And uh, I think people just shouldn't be judged when they're like making um, an attempt mm-hmm. into reading. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, people should be encouraged, really. Um, I think the rule is you should read what you like. Basically, with a little kind of, let's say, a little challenge in that, with read what you like, but now and again, choose something that is a little different from what you're used used to. And then if you really don't like it, take a step back, you know? Of course, mm-hmm. you don't have also to finish every no. book you start. No, sometimes definitely not. Sometimes it's like a drag. Like you're, nah. Sometimes I think people have bad experiences because they started by things that were yeah. too dreadful for them. And too, too dry. Too dry. Yeah, like the Bible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Old Testament, you know. Oh, see? But yeah. then again, <laughs> then they, they make this opinion that they that everything would be too difficult or everything would be uh, uninteresting for uh-huh. them and they stop reading. Um, do you have any tips for people to start getting more into books, how they yeah. could go? And When I was younger, I didn't like reading books. I liked comics and at the stretch, I liked books with pictures. Okay. But if a book didn't have a pic- any pictures in it, I would basically just throw it in a bin or ignore it so or something you've been there so, yeah i have it's when i was when i was younger when i was like um i had a good i was always good at reading but i never really enjoyed it until i started i don't know i stopped at one point i remember i stopped worrying about understanding every single thing i i let it wash over me more like a movie so my okay. first tip would be read a book in the same way as you would watch a movie in other words don't keep pausing it all the time don't keep stopping and rereading and going, did I get that? I tried mm-hmm. to visualize things a lot instead of just letting it flow. So I, I wouldn't worry about understanding everything. Like what's going on in the story? Who's that character? Mm-hmm. I would just get to the end of the chapter and I would, I don't know, think about something else, do something else. Not put too much importance on understanding the whole plot. The second thing is, um, this is especially true if it's quite a long book or very dense, dense text. Uh, Set yourself a target, a very small daily target. It's much better to have a small target than something huge like a chapter a day. Set yourself one page a day. Yeah, I was going to say yeah? that. Two the pages. One page a day, two page a day. If you want to do more, you can always do more. Yeah. Right? And then the next day, say you, say you got really encouraged one day, you got carried away, and you read like 
10 pages. The next day, back to two. You're not going to say, oh, yesterday I read 10, so I don't need to read read any. Or or I don't need to read any today because I read 10. No, it's back to two. And you keep that standard there. And that will give you what, like a book, if you get a book that is like 200 pages, an average book. Well, it would take a long time, right? But uh, like I said, there are going to be days where you get into it, you get hooked, and you're going to read lots, lots. And sometimes you won't be able to put it down. But if you if you really want to put the book down, persevere, get through the pages, and then you can stop. Put a minimum amount. Yeah. Like minimum a, amount. And then that's it. You're going to get to the end of a year reading four or five books at least. And I it used would have to, been better than nothing. Much better than nothing. Totally. I used to start books and not finish them. That was my problem. I do that. Yeah. And then I, I started applying this thing, this rule, and I started getting through books. However... Like Perla said earlier, earlier, it's not always worth it. It's not right? always <clears throat> worth it. No. Of course not. So I would say like getting something that is light mood. Just get started. The two-page thing, it's beautiful. Um, the whole idea of the Telegraph article to present these numbers was actually to present an idea behind it. The um, Dame Gayle's Rebox uh, mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. on... Uh, f- on quick reads she came up with the scheme and she founded this idea of like making shorter books for people which at first i would just like um not criminalize i would just (laughs) (laughs) disagree and they edited books they added books Uh. and uh at first i would go like oh but this is not for adults but anyways why not right bestsellers oh you're not uh critical enough if you're reading like uh, bestsellers you're not intelligent enough no why not why not start by them give yourself a chance of liking reading a lot of the classics nowadays when they originally came out they were bestsellers as well are something worth remembering because the classics are critically acclaimed by snobs (laughs) and um but you know they were originally in the same class as what we have nowadays, you know, the Da Vinci Code. What was, the, what was the other one? Fifty Shades of Grey, Harry Potter. Did you know the New York Times created a new category, a children's bestseller list that didn't exist before? No. Just so they could take Harry Potter off because it wouldn't come off. I mean, the various Harry Potter books. I know there are seven. They would be there as the best books. Yeah, like top time. seven. So they took, they did that to, to get them out of the way. What a nice idea. I didn't know. Yeah, I suppose it is. It is. It is. Um, originally, it was just one list for all books, whether it be children or or not. All fiction. And then they had a non-fiction. Sure. Mm. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about the books, the best-selling books themselves, and try with that to encourage uh, mm-hmm. encourage our students to read them a little bit yeah. more. Thank you so much for the conversation and your insights, John. Thanks, Pat. Same, same for you. See you again. Good soon. reads. Cheers.